Section 21 of Lovecraft's Influences and Favourites. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rafe Ball. The Hashish Man by Lord Dunsany. I was at dinner in London the other day. The ladies had gone upstairs, and no one sat on my right. On my left there was a man I did not know, but he knew my name somehow, apparently, for he turned to me after a while and said, I read a story of yours about Beth Mora in a review. Of course I remembered the tale. It was about a beautiful oriental city that was suddenly deserted in a day. Nobody quite knew why. I said, Oh, yes, and slowly searched in my mind for some more fitting acknowledgement of the compliment that his memory had paid me. I was greatly astonished when he said, You were wrong about the Noosa sickness. It was not that at all. I said, Why, have you been there? And he said, Yes, I do it with hashish. I know Beth Mora well. And he took out of his pocket a small box full of some black stuff that looked like tar, but had a stranger smell. He warned me not to touch it with my finger, as the stain remained for days. I got it from a gypsy, he said. He had a lot of it, as it had killed his father. But I interrupted him for I wanted to know for certain what it was that had made desolate that beautiful city, Beth Mora, and why they fled from it swiftly in a day. "'Was it because of the desert's curse?' I asked. And he said, "'Partly it was the fury of the desert, and partly the advice of the Emperor Thubamlin, for that fearful beast is in some way connected with the desert on his mother's side.' And he told me this strange story. You remember the sailor with the black scar, who was there on the day you described when the messengers came on mules to the gate of Bethmora and all the people fled? I met this man in a tavern, drinking rum, and he told me all about the flight from Bethmora, but knew no more than you did what the message was, or who had sent it. However, he said he would see Beth Mora once more whenever he touched again at an eastern port, even if he had to face the devil. He often said that he would face the devil to find out the mystery of that message that emptied Beth Mora in a day. And in the end he had to face Thubamlin, whose weak ferocity he had not imagined. For one day the sailor told me he had found a ship and I met him no more after that in a tavern drinking rum. It was about that time that I got the hashish from the gypsy, who had a quantity that he did not want. It takes one literally out of oneself. It is like wings. You swoop over distant countries and into other worlds. Once I found out the secret of the universe. I have forgotten what it was, but I know that the Creator does not take creation seriously, for I remember that he sat in space with all his work in front of him and laughed. 
I have seen incredible things in fearful worlds. As it is your imagination that takes you there, so it is only by your imagination that you can get back. Once, out in the aether, I met a battered, prowling spirit that had belonged to a man whom drugs had killed a hundred years ago, and he led me to regions that I had never imagined, and we parted in anger beyond the Pleiades, and I could not imagine my way back. And I met a huge grey shape that was the spirit of some great people, perhaps of a whole star, and I besought it to show me my way home, and it halted beside me like a sudden wind and pointed, and, speaking quite softly, asked me if I discerned a certain tiny light, and I saw a far star faintly, and then it said to me, That is the solar system, and strode tremendously on, and somehow I imagined my way back, and only just in time, for my body was already stiffening in a chair in my room, and the fire had gone out, and everything was cold, and I had to move each finger one by one, and there were pins and needles in them, and dreadful pains in the nails, which began to thaw, and at last I could move one arm, and reached a bell, and for a long time no one came, because everyone was in bed. But at last a man appeared, and they got a doctor, and he said that it was his sheesh poisoning. But it would have been all right if I hadn't met that battered, prowling spirit. I could tell you astounding things that I have seen. But you want to know who sent that message to Beth Mora. Well, it was Thubamlin, and this is how I know. I often went to the city after that day that you wrote of. I used to take hashish of an evening in my flat, and I always found it uninhabited. Sand had poured into it from the desert, and the streets were yellow and smooth, and through open, swinging doors the sand had drifted. One evening I had put the guard in front of the fire, and settled into a chair, and eaten my hashish, and the first thing I saw when I came to Beth Mora was the sailor with the black scar, strolling down the street and making footprints in the yellow sand. And now I knew that I should see what secret power it was that kept Beth Mora uninhabited. I saw that there was anger in the desert, for there were storm clouds heaving along the skyline, and I heard a muttering amongst the sand. The sailor strolled on down the street, looking into the empty houses as he went. Sometimes he shouted, and sometimes he sang, and sometimes he wrote his name on a marble wall. Then he sat down on a step and ate his dinner. After a while he grew tired of the city and came back up the street. As he reached the gate of green copper three men on camels appeared. I could do nothing. I was only a consciousness, invisible, wandering. My body was in Europe. The sailor fought well with his fists, but he was overpowered and bound with ropes and led away through the desert. I followed for as long as I could stay, 
and found that they were going by way of the desert round the hills of Hap towards Utnavehi, and then I knew that the camelmen belonged to Thubamlin. I work in an insurance office all day, and I hope you won't forget me if ever you want to insure life, fire, or motor, but that's no part of my story. I was desperately anxious to get back to my flat, though it is not good to take hashish two days running, but I wanted to see what they would do to the poor fellow, for I had heard bad rumours about Thubamlin. When at last I got away, I had a letter to write. Then I rang for my servant, and told him that I must not be disturbed, though I left my door unlocked, in case of accidents. After that I made up a good fire, and sat down and partook of the pot of dreams. I was going to the palace of Thubamlin. I was kept back longer than usual by noises in the street, but suddenly I was up above the town. The European countries rushed by beneath me, and there appeared the thin white palace spires of horrible Thubamlin. I found him presently at the end of a little narrow room. A curtain of red leather hung behind him, on which all the names of God, written in Yanish, were worked with a golden thread. Three windows were small and high. The emperor seemed no more than about twenty, and looked small and weak. No smiles came on his nasty yellow face, though he tittered continually. As I looked from his low forehead to his quivering under lip, I became aware that there was some horror about him, though I was not able to perceive what it was, and then I saw it. The man never blinked, and though later on I watched those eyes for a blink, it never happened once. And then I followed the Emperor's rapt glance and I saw the sailor lying on the floor, alive but hideously rent, and the royal torturers were at work all round him. They had torn long strips from him, but had not detached them, and they were torturing the ends of them far away from the sailor. The man that I met at dinner told me many things which I must omit. The sailor was groaning softly, and every time he groaned, Thubamlin tittered. I had no sense of smell, but I could hear and see, and I do not know which was the most revolting, the terrible condition of the sailor, or the happy, unblinking face of the horrible Thubamlin. I wanted to go away, but the time was not yet come, and I had to stay where I was. Suddenly the Emperor's face began to twitch violently, and his underlip quivered faster, and he whimpered with anger, and cried with a shrill voice in Yanish to the captain of his torturers that there was a spirit in the room. I feared not, for living men cannot lay hands on a spirit but all the torturers were appalled at his anger, and stopped their work, for their hands trembled with fear. 
then two men of the spear-guard slipped from the room and each of them brought back presently a golden bowl with knobs on it full of hashish and the bowls were large enough for heads to have floated in had they been filled with blood and the two men fell to rapidly eating each with two great spoons there was enough in each spoonful to have given dreams to a hundred men and there came upon them soon the hashish state and their spirits hovered preparing to go free while i feared horribly but ever and anon they fell back again to the bodies recalled by some noise in the room still the men ate but lazily now and without ferocity at last the great spoons dropped out of their hands and their spirits rose and left them i could not flee and the spirits were more horrible than the men because they were young men and not yet wholly moulded to fit their fearful souls still the sailor groaned softly evoking little titters from the emperor thubamlin then the two spirits rushed at me and swept me thence as gusts of wind sweep butterflies and away we went from that small pale heinous man there was no escaping from these spirits fierce insistence the energy in my minute lump of the drug was overwhelmed by the huge spoonsful that these men had eaten with both hands i was whirled over arval woundery and brought to the lands of snith and swept on still until i came to cragua and beyond this to those bleak lands that are nearly unknown to fancy and we came at last to those ivory hills that are named the mountains of madness and i tried to struggle against the spirits of that frightful emperor's men for i heard on the other side of the ivory hills the pittering of those beasts that prey on the mad as they prowled up and down it was no fault of mine that my little lump of hashish could not fight with their horrible spoonsful someone was tugging at the hall door bell presently a servant came and told our host that a policeman in the hall wished to speak with him at once he apologized to us and went outside and we heard a man in heavy boots who spoke in a low voice to him my friend got up and walked over to the window and opened it and looked outside i should think it will be a fine night he said then he jumped out when we put our astonished heads out of the window to look for him he was already out of sight end of the hashish man recording by rafe ball